The Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Sharing the Victory with University of Nebraska assistant football coach, Ron Brown. In our Where Are They Now segment on Sharing the Victory, we have uh, a hero for many of you, and uh, his name is David Robinson. You remember the former great NBA basketball player of San Antonio Spurs, one of the top 50 NBA players in history. David Robinson, welcome to Sharing the Victory. Uh, well, thank you, Ron. It's great to be here. Well, David, uh, you know, you, you're, you have a storied history. Uh, we're very familiar with you, uh, the Naval Academy, uh, your NBA career, so many honors. In fact, if you look up all the honors, it would just it would take forever to do it. But I wanted to get right to the heart of the matter. I mean, as, as you look at yourself and what uh, you know has happened through your sports career and also your academic career, you were a brilliant student. When did it all make sense for you to realize that this was a package that God had designed? And and when did you get a grasp of that, get your head around that? Uh, I think it hit me a little bit at a time. Uh, you know, I think when I was in school, I, I realized that something was missing. I, I realized that even with all the great success, you know, having a great school like the Naval Academy and then being drafted in the NBA, mm-hmm. all that stuff was fantastic. But I, uh, I realized that still it wasn't satisfying me like I figured it should. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I got to the NBA and had two years in the NBA, and it, and it was a similar feeling that I felt like I was running around trying to please everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think it hit me June of 1991 uh, when a minister came uh, down from Austin. He was with a group called Champions for Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, they did a lot of college campus ministry and a lot of athlete ministry. And so they would go and, uh, and talk to people all over uh, and so he came to me and he said, you know, me and a bunch of uh, our people have been praying for you and would love to sit and chat with you. So when I sat with him, um, I had a couple questions to ask him, and he, he started off with his own questions. He said, hey, let me let me ask you a question. He said, do you love God? And I said, well, yeah, I think I do. Hmm. He said, well, how much time do you spend praying? I said, well, I, I, you know, I pray, I guess, about as much as anybody else. You know, I pray before I eat and before I, before I go to bed. And he said, well... How much time do you spend reading your word, you know, getting to know who God is? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, I read it yeah, when I can. I mean, I don't really understand it that well. And I have a Bible around here, but I don't really understand it that well. Mm-hmm. He said, well, in the Old Testament, God asked the nation of Israel to honor him one day a week, the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. He said, well, when was the last time you took one day and praised God and thanked him for what you have? And, uh, and uh, you know, I said, like, you mean a whole day? <laughs> I don't know what I'd even do for a whole day. I couldn't praise God for a whole day. I don't, you know, I I've been to church before, but that's you know that's not the same as like giving him a day. Hmm. And uh, he said, "Well, when you love someone, when you really love them, don't you want to spend all your time around them and and really bless them?" And that was really what broke my heart right there. I I just fell on my knees and started crying because. You know, I really understood, you know, when I loved somebody, um, you know, I had been dating my girlfriend at the time who was, you know, who now is my wife. But mm-hmm. but at the time, I just remembered, you know, how much I loved her and I wanted to be around her all the time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just thought, that is not at all the way I've been with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just realized, you know, I may say that I love God or whatever, but it's not true because I don't act like it. <laughs> And, uh, and so I just fell on my knees, and I said, God, you've given me so much, and I have been such a brat. I never thanked you. I've never honored you. I've never blessed you. Not Regardless, one day a week, I've never really done it. Yeah. So I said, you know, from here on out, I said, everything I have is yours, Lord. I said, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. 
And from that day on, you know, I just started reading my Bible like hours and hours every day, just trying to understand who God was and spending time on my knees praying and talking to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, man, he opened my eyes like I would have never believed. I, and, you know, the, all of a sudden the Bible became this <laughs> cool love story from God. You know, I was like, man, I didn't know all this stuff was here. This is really good. And uh, and it just opened my eyes. And, and, you know, once I found out about it, I wanted everybody else to know about it. So, man, I started talking to my family and you know, eventually everybody in my family got saved. It took my dad 10 years, but wow. we got there. <laughs> and now he's an elder in the church and doing wow. really well. And, huh. You know, but, but and my brother got saved two and a half years, three years after me, and now he's a pastor, celebrated his 12th year pastoral anniversary. Man. And so just watching how God has changed the lives of the people in my, in my life, and, I mean, needless, obviously mine has changed, but how he's impacted just the people around me has just blown my mind. Hmm. We're talking to David Robinson, the former great NBA basketball player. David, you you said so much, and, and I thought the three words that, that really hit me, he said, after you came to Christ in, in 1991, it was like, go, say, and do. And, and God sent you, and he had something for you to say to the people. And he wanted you to become a doer of the word. Yeah. And, and as I look at you, you you're kind of a modern-day Solomon when you think about it. Solomon was the richest man probably in the history of the world. And, far from that. <laughs> well, no, I, 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 I won't take the analogy too far, but what I will say is that you're a man of many, many talents. Uh, you're not you're not a guy who got pigeonholed into basketball. You know, you had an incredible academic career. You had a naval uh, opportunity in the in the navy and the in the armed services. You you've done so many things, but as you've gone, said, and done, how does that flesh out? I mean, you went through basketball now. You know, for the last uh, you know the, the end to the end of your career, you served him now as a Christian. Mm-hmm. How did that affect how you played basketball? Did it change the way you played the game? Uh, yeah, there's no question it changed the way. I, you know, I, I first when I was playing, I played pretty much, you know, for myself. You know, when the when the motivation is 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 yourself, you know, you just look at it differently. I mean, I had a once I got saved, it was a mission, it was a calling. I realized, hey, this is not about me. You know, this is mm-hmm. he's put me in this position for a reason. So when I walked into the locker room after I got saved, I saw the locker room as as a place of ministry. It was you know mm-hmm. every one of these guys in this locker room was my responsibility to encourage huh. and to be a brother to and to be a friend to. And the hardest thing I think is you know when you say go say and do, you know we have a tendency to think we have to kind of control things. Mm-hmm. Even if you're you know when when you go say and do, you're still not in control. Right. You have to be able to let go and say, right. okay, look, I'm not living these guys' lives. It's not my job to make them do anything. Mm-hmm. It's my job to really encourage them. Mm-hmm. And and so in the locker room, finding that right balance where I could love on the guys and, and not make them feel like uh, I'm judging them, not make them feel like, you know, that I, I think that they're bad people. I don't think they're bad people. You know, we make we all make bad choices at times, right. but I don't think they're bad people. I think they're great guys, mm-hmm. and maybe some guys need more guidance than other guys. But mm-hmm. and 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 I'm not going to sit there and tell a grown man, you know, live your life this way because I think it's the right thing. That's silly. Right. I you know I say look, I'm I'm studying the word. If you want any advice, if you want any any guidance, anything, come talk to me. I had my daily Bible studies, and guys were always invited. And, you know, sometimes we'd have three guys come. Sometimes we'd have seven guys come. Mm -hmm. But once they came, they realized there's nothing threatening here. This is about living your life 
in a way that's pleasing to God, and it's it's about utilizing all the gifts that you've been given. And and I think once guys begin to understand that, they received it so well. I mean, our team started praying. We prayed before every game, and it, you know, and it was funny because I was you know being the team captain. I felt like King David in that situation. I was like, look, as long as I'm king, we're going to worship the Lord. Amen. You know, so, you know, before the game, I said, look, I don't care what your religion is. This isn't about, you know, religion. This is just about saying, okay, we're going to, before the game, we're going to come together. We're going to pray. I used it as kind of a teaching time. We would teach about some scripture or something, but also just trying to get them to see the bigger picture of the season. You know, one year I remember it was, um, it was Psalm 81 and 10. Mm-hmm. Um, open wide thy mouth, and I will fill it, saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I told him, I said, everybody talks about how hungry we are. You know, you, you're hungry to win a championship. And the Lord says, open wide thy mouth, and I will fill it. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, we just have to learn to trust him as we run this run, and we just open our mouths wide, man. We, we, mm-hmm. we train hard. We, we practice hard. We get ourselves prepared. And we just open our mouths wide and just let God fill us up. Mm. You know, so just, I, I used a lot of scriptures just to get them to understand different concepts of being a team and understanding where we needed to go. And, and the Lord used that and blessed that and brought us together through those prayers. And by the end, all the guys looked forward to the prayers every time. You know, it was a, mm. it was a real blessing. Mm. Well, we're talking to David Robinson, former great NBA basketball player. And David, uh, you talked about Psalm 8110, open thy mouth wide and uh, God will fill it. As you left basketball, and I, and I would imagine that that's a tough transition for a guy who's been doing it for so many years. You didn't just stop. You didn't just go into like this early retirement. I mean, you did from basketball, but I've heard a lot about Carver Academy and other things that you've done in the community, particularly there in San Antonio. As you were praying about what the next step of your life was, how was God filling you up with the questions that you had about how to continue to glorify him? With, let's say like Carver Academy. Yeah, I mean, it was it was all the things that he's put into my life, you know, I always kind of try to pray about and just say, hey, look, you know, Lord, if this is the way you want me to go, just show me and I'll go. And, and in the Carver Academy was one of those things. And, you know, I loved the whole fact about the Naval Academy that you, you're at this great place and you're not so much focused on your own, okay, I'm going to get out of here and make a lot of money. You're focused on all these people have laid a great foundation before us, right? And we've got to go out and we've, we've got to build on this great foundation which has been laid. And so our, our focus was to serve. And, and I said, well, why can't I do that with, you know, little kids? Why can't I do that with four- and five-year-olds? Mm-hmm. Begin to teach them how to focus on serving, understanding, hey, there's a great crowd of witnesses that have gone before you, and they have laid a great foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, let's run this race, but let's build on the foundation that's already been laid. You know, the, the onus is not on you to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. The onus is on you to just continue to add to the great legacy. With, with our kids, that's what we try to do, starting with, you know, with pre-K. We go through sixth grade. We have 120 kids, almost all of them coming on scholarship. They come from the, you know, the inner city here in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And we teach them languages. We teach them German, Japanese, and Spanish. All wow. of them have to learn music. They all learn how to read music, play pianos, play recorders. Hmm. We, have a, we have a broadcasting studio, so they all participate in producing news segments. They write their own stories, and then they'll, they'll produce a news three days a week. They'll show it to the rest of the school. Wow. And, I mean, there's all kinds of things we get them active and involved in, you know, just to kind of spark their minds and get them going. But every day starts with chapel, and that's their foundation. Huh. You know? 
George Washington Carver was a praying man. Yes. It's named the Carver Academy. We're, we're, we always tell the kids we're a praying school. That's what we do hmm. because we're named after Carver, and we're going to be a praying school. We pray for everybody. And we have service is a big part of what we do. We have six pillars, leadership, initiative, integrity, faith, service, and discipline. But faith and service are two main pillars that we really focus on. And service, I just feel like the kids have to be actively involved in other people's lives. Um, so we have a sister school in Kenya that we raise money for each year. And we, we send materials over there. And they send videos back of the kids cheering and thanking our kids. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of fun things that go on with these kids. But even outside the classroom, where they're doing fantastic in the classroom, but their lives are also being built, too. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. One, one thing, Dave, when I hear about that, I mean, the inner city is a target negatively, but also positively. I mean, there's a lot of people trying to do great things in the inner cities around America, mm-hmm. and, and there's definitely a need. But, you know, I've, I've, for example, there, there's the Muslim community has gone into the inner city mm-hmm. and is trying to clean up drugs and prostitution and, and all kinds of things with the Muslim faith, which is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, right. it, is, it is, and and I know that there's some out there who are listening to me right now saying, hey, wait a minute, why are you picking on the Muslims? But, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes of the Father, but through me. And and Jesus is God the Son. And that's where we separate from all the other religions. And that's why I want to commend you, because I do believe that we need the boldness, the truth, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all parts of the world, including the inner cities of America, and to teach these young men and women at a very early age how to do life God's way, Christ's way. David, do you see that? I mean, I, I'm assuming you don't apologize for making it a Christ-centered school. Is that right? Oh, no, not not at all. It, obviously, that that is is what has strengthened me, and, I, and it, it's the truth. <laughs> so, right. You know, when you stand up for the truth, you're going to be rewarded in the end. But you know, the, the thing is, is it, you know, we're we're not called to be antagonizers. You know, so uh-huh. I mean, the Muslim guys they come in there and they want to great. I, you know, do what you can for people, but that's not it's not always reaching the heart of the problem. The heart of the problem is a sin issue. Absolutely. And the only way that sin can be dealt with is through Jesus Christ. That's Amen. the only way it can be dealt with. There's no other way to get right with God. So, you know, that's fine. We can treat the symptoms. You know, if that's what they want to do, great. Treat mm-hmm. the symptoms. I mean, yeah, people need to be fed. Mm-hmm. People need to get off the streets. They need to stop, you know, using drugs. Yeah, great. But that still doesn't solve the main issue. Mm. The problem is sin. You know, so that's where we, you know, we try to focus on that. But, you know, we are a school, and we try to focus on getting kids focused and motivated and excited. And and we understand not everybody's going to accept the gospel. We're not focused on everybody having to proclaim their faith. Mm. You know, what we're saying is we're planting the seeds, we're building and we're, you know, we're in those inner cities planting the right seeds, and we're shaping and molding character, and these guys will go out there, and they will never, God said, my word will never return void. Mm-hmm. They will never forget the seeds that have been planted in their hearts. The pictures that they have of God, we have a pre-K through sixth grade, so our kids are up to 11 years old. The picture that's drawn of God in their hearts will be there when they're 55 years old. Right. It's never going to change. If you teach them what God looks like, nine times out of ten, they have a father who's missing, or they have a, a they have a picture of God that's deformed, it's warped, right. and you got to show them what a real father is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So you know we're trying to plant those seeds, and 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 you can't guarantee that everybody's going to understand or accept it, but you can plant those seeds, and you can begin the process, and that's what we're trying to do: begin that healing process by giving them the right tools. 
I'll tell you what, David Robinson, we will never forget you. Uh, on behalf of all of us who know Jesus in, in America and the, and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes Ministry, I just want to thank you for living out your faith simply and powerfully, uh, just allowing God to use your life in a relatively short period of time here. You have invested powerfully into the kingdom, and, and I think that's an inspiration for all of us. So, man, I could talk, I could talk with you forever, but we, we've, got, we've got to end it now. But uh, just, again, um, just thank you not only for uh, um, what you've done in the world of basketball, but in life, in Christ, and thanks for being with us here on Sharing the Victory today. All right. Well, thanks, Ron. I appreciate that. God bless you, David. That's David Robinson, the great NBA superstar who's uh, doing mighty work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we just, it was an honor to have him on today. More interviews can be found at fcapodcasting.com. That's fcapodcasting.com. Thanks for listening to Sharing the Victory.